0: Trista Crick, Nick Ashew, Bet MGM tonight. Trista saw some alarming things on uh Twitter involving Damian Lillard. I uh, I know, I know, I see it in your eyes. Here's the thing. I you've at least gotten to the point now where you've shifted, and I think you're starting to accept the fact that the end may be near, but I can see like uh there's a there's an optimism there even with that era maybe coming to an end.
1: Yeah, so the Blazers just took down the Damian Lillard display in front of the Rose Garden, which has been there for a very long time. Uh, that's that's not a great sign for what's to come uh, around Damian Lillard. Who knows? Maybe they're looking for a new picture of him. Who knows? Um, there you go. It is feeling a little like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, but to me, Aaron Rodgers sat on the bench for a while, and maybe you know Damian Lillard is the. The shepherd and maybe you have four elite guards, two Shaden Sharp and Damian Lillard, and you have Scoot <laughs> and Anthony Simons. Who knows? But at the end of the day, it's still Scoot and Shaden, and that's better than than Shaden and Brandon Miller to me. It was a win. The fact that they got Scoot was an absolute win.
0: I mean, listen, I I think that Blazers team even without Damian Lillard. They're going to be a ton of fun to watch. And when the expectations are lower, sometimes it makes a team a little bit more fun. Chris Miles, NBA TV, jumps on with us. Let's, let's start with Damian Lillard here. I, we, we've heard his name certainly mentioned, at least in whispers for years. But it was always, no, no, he wants to stay, he wants to stay. Could this offseason finally be the difference? Could this finally, Chris, be the time where he either asks for a trade or at least says, fine, if you can find a good spot for me, I'll, I'll take it and go somewhere like, I don't know, the Miami Heat perhaps?
2: You know what this seems like when two couples are about to get a divorce, but everyone wants to keep the friends, right? That's what the Blazers <laughs> and Damian Lillard are. They're like, I'm trying to keep the friends. I'm the good one here. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not the one that pulled the trigger on this. So you're my friend, right, NBA fans and fan base. That's what they're doing. Um, and I think we're starting to get to the point where one or the other is going to be like, you know what, I don't care what people think. I'm ready to move on. And it feels like the Blazers are there more so than Damian Lillard as far as saying it publicly. Um, Like you said, oh, they're taking the billboard down. Really? Oh, they drafted the guy that's going weird double zero, (laughs) right? Like, oh, okay. And they're drafting your position and they are keeping guys, you know, who are showing signs to have value on a trade market. Like, think about it. If they were planning on keeping Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, right? Someone you could get a veteran at a different position for. So you could kind of bring in Scoot Henderson and say you're doing this thing. Or Shaden Sharp had an excellent rookie year in the sense of like value on a trade market. If you were keeping name, you, and you were going to draft Scoot Henderson, then you could have moved those pieces and kind of got some veterans. John Collins on the market for 2 dollars 5 Like he went for a second rounder and Rudy Gay even I was like, wait, Rudy Gay has another year on his contract? Like, Rudy Gay is my age. What's going on here? You know what I mean? So it's like all of these things that if you're Damian, you're like, what is, we're not going to get drafting these young guys we're developing. Come on. Everyone knows it. We can all see it. And there are teams that would love to have Damian Lillard. And you know what? The NBA would love to have Damian Lillard on the East Coast. I'll tell you that much.
1: Yeah, you're right. And the thing that I thought was interesting, Chris, is that Dame came out through Chris Haynes, which we know they're very close. They've been close for a long time now, is that he says he doesn't want to play on a team with multiple All-Stars. He just wants to be on a team that has a shot. He says, I don't want to be on a team with three All-Stars. That's Miami, baby. Like, if he was to go there, it's Jimmy, it's Bam, it's him. So that feels like maybe not the right spot. I am curious, though, from Portland side, if Dame were to go, and I still have hope that maybe they just couldn't find a deal during the draft and that maybe they can figure something out in free agency. But is is Chauncey Billups, one, the right coach for a rebuilding team? And two, do you think he is the coach if Damian Lillard does it, ask out?
2: Well, first and foremost, um, I am not going to say anything uh, bad about the champion Chauncey Billups and whether or not he's, we don't know. The verdict isn't in on whether he could be a good coach or not, right? And we don't, he does, there's not enough of a sample size to know if he deals with a veteran team or young team. The one thing I do know about Chauncey Billups is that everyone that's played with him or that's been around him, there's a level of respect there right? And it's not like if you mention a different coach, you'd be like, well, I've heard this about him. Or a different player, I kind of heard this about him. With Chauncey Billups, it's all like leadership. Uh, He's the guy, you know, different teams want him, whether it's the front offices or a coaching position. So um, I kind of feel like any coach, though, you want to put your stamp on things. And with Damian Lillard, he had been there so long that that's Dame's team, right? And he kind of has that power that if Dame's gone, I think Chauncey has a better chance and a better opportunity to mold these guys into what, what he wants, kind of like MAU Udoka and Houston as well, uh, getting a bunch of young guys in there as opposed to having you know, guys who had some success before he became the head coach.
0: You, know, you mentioned the John Collins trade. He's got three years, $78 million left on that contract. Utah absorbs that deal. Atlanta just gets Rudy Gay in a second round pick and you're going right you're scratching your head going wait I and mean, I don't John Collins isn't a great big man but he's pretty good are we going to see more this offseason of just maybe some moves where teams are just trying to clear some cap space, keep themselves away from that dreaded second apron. It feels like like even if people aren't and most people aren't well versed in this CBA because it's millions of pages and it's boring and nobody actually wants to read that stuff. But it does have a direct effect on the way some teams are treating this offseason. Do you think this will be an offseason that does have maybe fewer big moves and it's more based on like the deal we saw today with Atlanta and the Jazz?
2: And, you know, it also gives Atlanta some flexibility that they just had zero flexibility with the contracts that they had and the decisions they've made. Um, And now they have the, what, $12 million exception they can use and Mm -hmm. four and a half million. They can go get guys who may be out there on a bargain that kind of fits that veteran leadership that they need in the locker room. Also, also, they have that $25 million trade exception now that maybe some of their young developing guys that really haven't proven themselves, they can take money back for a player that fits more into what they're trying to do. Look, John Collins, to your point, is a really good, um, I would call him like a top-tier role player, could be an all-star with the right team, and you would think with Trey Young that that would be the case, but it just never fit in that way. I think the Hawks waited for that to happen, and with the Utah Jazz, it's like he's their highest-paid player. So, like, he comes in and immediately, like, when you talk about cap flexibility, they just had it to absorb that. So it made sense for the Utah Jazz, where as the Atlanta Hawks, it just was like this handcuff of a contract. So I want to see what else the Atlanta Hawks are up to. I think that this was the first in three or four moves that they are about to make. uh, To try to make this team one that can really compete again to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, because right now, that feels like a fluke, and I know that's not where they want to be.
1: DeJounte Murray is one of my favorite young guards, Chris. He obviously is up for an extension. They can't offer him uh, until free agency, probably what he's worth on the open market, but there's been some whispers that maybe it's just not working with him and Trey Young despite the fact that they wanted to play together. Do you think that he is one of those three or four moves that you're talking about where maybe they send him somewhere else?
2: Man, um it's crazy because I enjoy watching him in person. <laughs> so I would like absolutely hate for that to happen. And truly, when I watch uh, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, I think for Trey, he's the perfect like complement slash backcourt mate that if he's moved, I just don't know how it works out, right? In the sense of, okay, so you move the defensive guard that can also put up big numbers and be an all-star as well then what are you looking to put next to Trey Young? Um, So to your point, it would be more of a business decision if they think they can't re-sign him, that he's going to go elsewhere and they won't get anything for him, um, which would be really sad. So I guess objectively, looking at the Atlanta Hawks, I hope that doesn't happen for them. I hope that they're able to keep him, that it works out between he and Trey Young, because I do think that the way that they play should complement each other more than it did this year.
0: Talking to Chris Miles, NBA TV, uh, Warriors and Chris Paul. It just sounds weird. It's going to look weird. Uh, it's going to take some time getting used to. And there's also some of the extracurriculars, right? Steph saying it's not 2014 anymore to Chris Paul. And then Draymond's got some beef with him. And then he had the, the fake laugh to Steve Kerr. Cur- is this going to be one of those situations where when it's all said and done, everybody gets in there, kind of just puts it all aside and says, we're trying to win a championship? Or did you kind of look at this and go, Wait, what? How how in the world is this all going to mesh when it's all said and done? What year is it again? Like, yeah, it's not 2014. Is, I know that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, to
2: your point, right, guys on that 2014 team, like one of them works with me, Jamal Crawford. The other guy in that <laughs> backcourt, J.J. Redick, is a star on ESPN. It's about that time for Chris Paul. You know what I mean? Like the Warriors – won four championships in an eight year span since then. Like, this is what we're talking about when you say something like that. Like, yes, Chris Paul, his apex was probably, you know, 2008 to 2014. I think at this point, Chris Paul knows that, right? There's there's a time where you go, oh, like I was moved just for my contract being one that they didn't want anymore. He has to know that. He has to understand that. And it's a matter of, is he willing to come off the bench and lead a second unit and be like Golden State's Kyle Lowry? Because if he is, the league is in trouble. He's good enough to do that. Um, if, if If he has that mentality to get that championship, then the league is in trouble.
1: So you covered NBA draft, Chris, for NBA TV. Uh, other than Cam Whitmore, who slid for like really inexplicable reasons, they said it had to do with his medicals, but he was doing windmills in the one-on-zero workouts. I saw it on Instagram myself. He looked pretty explosive. Who else besides him were you really surprised to slide down in the draft?
2: Well, you know, I wouldn't say I was surprised where they ended up being drafted, but a guy that I'm like, I just don't know if I understand the draft anymore. Uh, ben Shepherd out of Belmont that went to the Pacers at 26th. It's like I spend all this time objectively watching guys see who pops. I mean, I called the Nike Hoop Summit, right? That's where like the the first time they get a name. Like we, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray played together. Like I watch them from that stage, and Nick knows this about me until it's time to get to the draft, and so I see yep. guys as levels happen. And then I get to the draft, and I'm like, wait, Ben Shepherd is awesome. Like, he's a basketball player. And I'm like, why is he going 26th? And then I look up some of the other guys, and I'm not going to disrespect them. And I'm like, they play the same position. They're not as good. What is happening? Is it a an age, and upside? Because I see this every year, and I see guys get drafted, and they just, like, never – never make it and they're like oh they're 18 they're 19 the upside i'm like i would take the 21 or 22 year old that i know can play in the nba immediate like i just don't get it i understand that some guys the upside they end up being there but that's the kid that i look at like how how is 26 where he goes like i look at no
1: no no disrespect is that is that person jet howard that you felt like wow he really went a (laughs) lot earlier than i expected
2: Well, yes, he's one of the guys, but he doesn't play the same position. So Jet Howard I kind of got from Orlando's perspective, right? Because they got all of these young guys who, and then who they drafted at six, Anthony Black was kind of of like, okay, um, interesting because they have like eight guards. So like, I kind of looked at the value on the board and kind of thought they need shooting. The Orlando Magic just need guys that can shoot. So like I saw it and I'm like, they probably were trying to figure out, look at what Grady Dick is wearing here. We don't need too much. We don't need too much, right? Like we need a professional like guy that's just gonna come in and just be do his job and we know his dad, We know what this is about. Let's get safe here because we might have made the splashy pick at six. So I get that, but I'm with you as like man, that's pretty high for a guy that you think is gonna come in and just shoot three pointers. So, yeah, um, but there are a couple of other guys that I just kind of look at, and I'm like, I don't know, I I thought Ben Shepard was better.
0: Chris, got about a minute here. Uh, Bradley Beal, the trade finally happened. You and I have talked about this for years. The return was not nearly what they could have gotten a couple years ago. Your thoughts on that in about a minute.
2: You've had my thoughts on it for five years, right? (laughs) Yeah. And it's
0: like, (laughs) this is
2: exactly what I said would happen. I'm like, no, first of all, I have to talk to Bradley Beal, right? Like, he's a guy that I know in real life, and I'm happy that he's gotten as much money as he had. Having said that, I'm like, why, Wizards, are you signing him to these? Like, once you dealt John Wall and then you had Russell Westbrook that next season, it didn't work out. That was the time to cash in. You could have got, like, Shea Gilgis Alexander in six draft picks for him. Instead, you got uh, Landry Shamit in second round
0: picks. (laughs) it's just oh you wait till you give him a no trade clause and then you give him as much money as possible he fleeces you he holds the organization hostage and then he gets to go where he wants to go and they get him for pennies on the dollar chris miles nba tv always good talking to you my friend appreciate it
2: yeah remember bradley bill makes as much as kevin durant put that in your (laughs)